Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 presents believers and followers of Christ with a tremendous promise. Yet those who wait on Jehovah will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and will not faint. They will walk and will not become weary. We all cherish this kind of encouraging word. But the question is, what is it to wait on the Lord in such a way as to be brought into this kind of rich experience of Christ? Today's broadcast again brings us to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and a really extraordinary view of Christ awaits us in our program today. Ed Marks is with us once again. Brother Ed, welcome back. We have another marvelous program in store for our listeners today, I think. Yes, Chris, we do have a marvelous program, and again, uh, I think in this program we will see a marvelous unveiling of Christ, and we will also see something of Christ for our personal enjoyment and experience. Many expositors call Isaiah the fifth gospel. It's just amazing that hundreds of years before Christ was born, Isaiah the prophet revealed so many rich aspects of Christ for our enjoyment and experience. Ed, I have to agree with you. I'm really growing to love this book more and more. Each time we come, it seems our eyes are being opened, and there is just a tremendous view of our Christ in this Old Testament book. Again, today as we come to chapters 40, 41, and 42, we're going to see a beautiful and encouraging unveiling of Christ. Here's Witness Lee. The servant of Jehovah. This is the expression of the Old Testament. The expression of the New Testament is the servant of God. So, in these 26 chapters, from 41 to 66, we could see the servant of the triune God. Isaiah, he is an all-inclusive writer. Every point he touched, he touched it in a thorough way and in a completed way. I never can find another writer in the Bible that talks about Christ as the servant of God so completely as Isaiah. He took the way to use So he picked up three persons as types of Christ as the servant of Jehovah. Number one, Isaiah, the prophet. Number two, Cyrus, the king of Medo-Persia. Number three, Israel. Israel in Isaiah was a type of of Christ as a servant of God. Then Isaiah was. Then even Cyrus, a Gentile king, he also was used as a type of Christ as a servant of Jehovah. 
if you don't pick up this thought of the triple type of Christ as a servant of God, you could never understand these 26 chapters. Ed, to have any hope of gaining a full understanding of this portion of Isaiah, we must see how Christ is portrayed in these three significant types. In chapter 41 and 42, there are three vivid types of Christ presented. Isaiah himself is a type. Then the Gentile king Cyrus is a type. And finally, the nation of Israel itself is a type of the corporate Christ. How do we identify all of these as types of Christ, Ed? For this particular portion of the book of Isaiah, we need to see these three types of Christ to understand this portion. Uh, Firstly, I would like to mention Cyrus. Cyrus, the book of Isaiah tells us that he was raised up by Jehovah as a servant of Jehovah. Well, this typifies Christ. Christ is the servant of Jehovah. Even if we go to Acts 3.26, Peter is saying, God having raised up his servant and talking about Christ. So Cyrus, as the servant of Jehovah, raised up by Jehovah, is a type of Christ as the servant of Jehovah. Isaiah also tells us that Cyrus called upon the name of Jehovah and that he was raised up to subdue the nations and have dominion over the kings. Well, if we look at Acts 5.31 and Revelation 1.5, we see that Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the one that sovereignly rules over all the governments of this earth for the carrying out of his heart's desire. Again, Cyrus is a type of Christ in this respect. Then Israel, in this portion, is also a type of Christ, especially we can see this in chapter 40, that with Israel we see the carrying out of the kind word of comfort spoken by Jehovah to his people as the gospel and as his testimony. And again, Israel is a type of Christ here because what does Christ speak to his people? He speaks a kind word of comfort to all his people as the gospel. Even I believe in this uh, particular message as you're listening, Christ will speak a particular word of comfort to you to strengthen you, to supply you, so that he can be everything to you in your experience. Also, we see in this portion of the word that Isaiah is a type of Christ. And Isaiah is a type of Christ as the servant of Jehovah for exposing the falsehood and the vanity of the idols among God's people. Well, Christ does this in us and among us. He exposes any time we're in any falsehood, and he exposes any idols. We may think, well, we have nothing to do with idols, But we need to remember at the end of 1 John, the very last verse, John says, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. An idol is anything that is a substitute for Christ. We don't want anything to come into our being to replace Christ or be a substitute for Christ. Ed, we're going to come now to a verse we read in the introduction of the program today, and that's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And a portion, at least, I think is, a, is very familiar, and it talks about waiting on the Lord. And the promise is very rich and very encouraging. But I think the question we want to see answered in this coming portion with Witness Lee is, what is it to wait on the Lord? Let's join him. After chapter 40, we have seen that Christ was the replacement of everyone. 
Also, we have seen in chapter 40 that we, the hard ones, should realize that we are nothing. And we don't remain, but something in this universe that remains, that's God himself. And this God today is altogether embodied in the Word. And the Word is here, so we should come since we realize we are nothing. We are withering. We are feeding. So we come to the Word of God. Then we touch God. Then we get regenerated. Then we know that we are a part of new creation. Then we would declare, like Paul did, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. This is to wait on Christ. To wait on Christ means to stop yourself, to stop your life in Christ, to stop your living in Christ, to stop your ambition, to stop your everything. He is now my life. He is now even my person. He is now my replacement. So he is everything to me. Especially he is the strength. So I am waiting on him. Then I will be renewed. The New Testament tells us so. I will be renewed. Then I will be strengthened to such an extent that I can mount up, I can fly, I can soar in the air. Mount up with the wings. And the Bible shows that the wings of the eagle are God's life power to be our grace. We enjoy God in his life power. And this is the two wings of the big eagle. That's God. So we could mount up, we could fly, we could soar in air, in heavenlies, with the life power of our God. This is transformation. Anyone who's like this is a servant of Jehovah. So everybody surrounding Christ is a servant. Sarah is one. Israel are one. And Isaiah is one. All are servants. Servants separate from Christ. No, servant with Christ, in Christ, in a corporate way. So everybody becomes Christ. Sarah becomes Christ. Isaiah becomes Christ. And all the children of Israel become Christ. Everyone is a type of Christ. You all are types of Christ. For what purpose? Possibly for the purpose to carry out the kind word of comfort, that is, the gospel. On the positive side, our purpose is to carry out God's gospel as his testimony. Then on the negative side, we are exposing. Exposing what? Exposing the falsehood the vanity of the idols. Do you realize this is New Testament testimony? That Christ is the reality. is everything to us. And that we are a part of him. 
Beside Christ, everything is idle. Everything is false. Everything is vanity. Dear saints, could you see this? Isaiah, his second part of his book, is just a miniature of the New Testament. Well, Ed, as we have spoken, we have this well-known phrase in this section, that is to wait on the Lord. As Christians, Ed, I think we all want the real experience of waiting on the Lord. Help us with this connection. Well, Chris, these are marvelous verses in the Scriptures and a real promise to us as believers. And I would just like to read these verses. This is Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. It says, Do you not know... Or have you not heard that the eternal God, Jehovah, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint and does not become weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Then the verses go on to say, He gives power to the faint, and to those who have no vigor he multiplies strength, although youths will faint and become weary. And young men shall collapse exhausted, yet those who wait on Jehovah will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and will not faint. They will walk and will not become weary. Our prayer is, for all of our listeners, is that these verses would become our experience today. We want to be those whose strength is renewed, even right now, and who mount up with wings like eagles, who run and not faint, who walk and don't become weary. Well, to do this according to these verses, we need to wait on the Lord. Now, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, firstly, it means to stop ourselves. It means to stop our living, our ambition, and our everything. And it means to receive Christ as our life, our person, and our replacement. Now, what does this mean practically? How do we stop ourselves? Well, the way we do this is to bring every question to him, every problem to him. This means we look unto him. We earnestly expect him. I think when Christians read the word wait, you think it might be sitting there doing nothing, being passive, but the Hebrew word wait does not mean this. Actually, It's a word where we're expecting the Lord. We're looking for him. This means that we're stopping ourselves and our natural activity, and we're receiving him as our life supply by praying. Praying is something that on the one hand is active, on the other hand is passive. When you pray, you are actively exercising your spirit to contact the Lord. On the other hand, by your prayer, you're telling the Lord, Lord, I can't do anything. Apart from you, I can't do anything. I don't have any hope if you don't come into me and be my life, my person, and my everything. So in this sense, it's passive in the sense that while we're actively praying and contacting the Lord, we are passively opening to him and receiving him to be our life, our person, our replacement, and our everything so that... He can be everything to us and do everything in us, through us, and for us for the carrying out of his move. When we do this, we mount up with wings like eagles. Actually, God is signified by an eagle, and his wings are his strength, 
his power and his grace applied to us in a practical, experiential way. Now, what are the eagle's wings for? Firstly, they're for our move. If we want to cooperate with the Lord for his move, we need him to be our grace, our power, our strength, so that we can soar with him in his move to carry out his eternal purpose through the preaching of the gospel and through the dispensing of Christ into the believers for their growth and building up. Also, we need the eagle's wings for our protection. We need his grace to overshadow us, to tabernacle over us, to protect us. In Psalm 17.8 and Psalms 57.1, David says, I will hide under the shadow of your wings. He says, I will take refuge under your wings. So when we stop ourselves by praying, and in our prayer, we are looking for the Lord. We're expecting him. We're receiving him into our being as everything. This is when we have his grace, his power, and his strength for our move and for our protection. This is when we enjoy him as our resurrection power for our transformation so that we can soar like an eagle for his move on this earth. Well, Ed, your word there that he would become everything to us is really encapsulated in his being the covenant to his people. And that's the subject of our final section. Let's join Witness Lee. Christ is a covenant. And the covenant is a testament. The covenant denotes the agreement, the contract signed by both parties. And testament denotes that this signed agreement is given to a party as a will. So the covenant is the agreement signed by God and us. And Christ died for that covenant. He left that covenant to us as a will, as a testament. Then his resurrection enforces this testament. Eventually, he himself is the covenant. In Isaiah, we are told, the whole Christ, entire Christ, Christ himself, is the covenant. Then eventually, the testament is that giver. Who is that giver? Christ. Firstly, I and you, we too signed an agreement that for certain reason, with certain purpose, I will give you thousand billion dollars. Do you believe this or not? Do you believe? Here's the agreement you sign. Or I sign first, then you sign. After being signed, you see, I go away. Leaving this agreement to you, I say, well, how many billions? A will of thousand billions. You have all the items of the will. How many items? These are items of the testament. But now Christ did not only give you this testament. Now he himself is the thousand billion dollars. Amen. How does this mean? This simply means he makes himself the testament. You see, well, New Testament, 
says, we will have eternal life, and then we can mount up on wings, this and that, this and that. Where are these wonderful things? The reality of the Taishman is here. That's Christ himself. He is the covenant. He is the thousand billion of dollars. He is here, your eternal life. He is here, your strength. Then this very Christ to be a covenant for God's chosen people, to be a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, uh, to bring the prisoner out of the prison, those who dwell in darkness from the prison house. This is Christ in reality. To God's chosen people, he's a covenant. Uh, to the nations, he's the light. He's the reality of all the things. And I thought this last portion from Witness Lee was really tremendous today. Christ, seen in Isaiah 42, is both the giver and the substance of this covenant. Let me read verse 6 again and then ask you to comment on it, particularly on how he could be both the covenant and the giver of the covenant. Verse 6 in Isaiah 42. I am Jehovah. I have called you in righteousness. I have held you by the hand. I have kept you. And I have given you as a covenant for the people, as a light for the nations. It's amazing that the Lord says, he says, I have given you, referring to Christ, as a covenant for the nations. And what we need to realize is, firstly, what does the Lord give us? He actually is always giving us himself. We realize from 1 Corinthians 15.45b, for example, that in resurrection, Christ became a life-giving spirit. What is his career? What is his job? What is he doing right now as you're listening to this broadcast? He is giving you life. He's infusing you with life. And what is life? Life is Christ himself. He said, I am the life, and I came that you might have life. And this life is the divine, eternal, uncreated life of God himself, which is a person. Christ is in the business of giving us himself as life and everything to us. So in the same way, he gives himself to us as a covenant. Actually, the the new covenant, the New Testament, is Christ himself. Now, what we see uh, in this broadcast is that a covenant is an agreement between God and us, his people. Well, when Christ died, that covenant became a will. It became a testament. In fact, it became the New Testament. So this covenant, this agreement between God and us, when Christ died, that covenant became a will. It became a testament. So the New Testament is actually everything that God has willed to us is in this testament. The New Testament is God's will to us. And what is the content of this will? The content of this will is the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what this tells us is that Christ himself is the testament, he is God's will, and he's the reality of everything contained in it. For example, there's two items in this testament. There's life and there's strength, there's power. Well, Christ is our life, Christ is our power. This will contains all the unsearchable riches of Christ so that we can enjoy Christ as everything to us for our experience. And again, I would like to tell our listeners the way to appropriate these riches is we have to pray. And, and many times the simplest prayer 
is just to say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Or Lord Jesus, I need you. Right now, you can say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Fill me with yourself. And by praying these simple prayers and by talking to the Lord in a personal and intimate way, we can enjoy all the unsearchable riches of Christ contained in this will. Wonderful covenant, isn't it, Ed? Everything we need is contained in this person, Christ, who's been given to us as the covenant, as the substance itself. A marvelous, marvelous portion from an Old Testament book that is fully a New Testament revelation, isn't it? Thank you for joining us, Ed. Be back with us soon, would you please? Yes, Chris, I'm looking forward to another uh, marvelous message from the fifth gospel, the gospel of Isaiah. Well, we're looking forward to another program where we're going to continue further examining this late middle portion of the book of Isaiah and how Christ is unveiled in these marvelous passages. To see it in the context, this entire book is a revelation of Christ. That's why, as, as Ed has pointed out on a couple of occasions, it's referred to as the fifth gospel. It's been a marvelous enjoyment so far, and uh, we're about halfway through our life study of the book of Isaiah. Uh, we have a lot of marvelous riches in front of us, so we hope that you'll join us then today. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Did you know that you can now enjoy the writings of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee on your PC or Mac, tablet, e-reader, or smartphone? Just go to lsm.org ePublications to find out more. Again, that's lsm.org ePublications. And thanks for listening today.